0: do something every day that's going to take you closer to who and what you want to be. If that's a property developer, then doing those those things to get you there. And then if you can do that, that consistently over, say, six months or a year, it's just phenomenal how much you can achieve. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty.
1: Hello and welcome to the Property Developer Podcast. As always, it is great to have you with me. I hope you're in fine spirits. I've just returned from a family holiday to Singapore, which was great fun. That place is a property developer's wet dream. There is so much development going on, it's mind-boggling. And they like to do buildings big over there. Everywhere you go, there is construction going on. It's great. That's one of the benefits of a centrally run state. No real planning issues to deal with. You just decide where you want to build things, and then you get them built. Unfortunately, I picked up a cold on the flight home, so I sound a bit under the weather. But I am on the mend. I'm pretty sure it isn't bird flu or SARS, so all good. Things continue apace on the townhouse project. Ground-level brick walls are pretty much up, and they are starting to put the first-level stud walls in. Next big achievement will be when the roof starts going on. No major issues lately to deal with. I've had to get another one of our buyer contracts reviewed by the bank's lawyers to ensure we comply with our loan conditions, as one of the bank guarantees used by one of the buyers expires within the six-month period after our expected completion date, which the bank doesn't accept, and the buyer refused to pay the extra money that his bank was going to charge him for extending his guarantee. So in the end, it was easier to get another contract checked than haggle with the buyer about it. I will put some of the latest project picks on this show's page on the Property Developer Podcast website, so check them out if you want to see how the site is looking. So on to today's guest, property entrepreneur Matt Jones. Matt has an interesting story to tell about how he ended up doing developments. He has trodden the well-worn path of renovations to subdivisions, but along the way he has set up his own property network, grown a membership website, and been involved with lots of development deals. So much so that he has taken time out with his family to live in France for a couple of years. Trebon. In our conversation, we cover a lot of ground, including the importance of your mindset to creating the life that you want, how to stay focused, and what you need to do to take that developing business of yours to the next level. As Matt is living in France, I was looking forward to his answer about my first question on what
0: he would eat until he was sick. (laughs) Um, probably baguettes at the moment. Um, I've always been a big fan of um, baguettes, and obviously living in France now, that's something I enjoy with a bit of uh, Nutella or something on it. So that, or chocolate croissants, I've, I've um, grown very fond of. And yes, I often eat them till I get sick. Yet, yeah, so <laughs> but I am I am reasonably healthy, but that's my um, my vice. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, I can understand chocolate croissants. They'd be very easy yeah. to keep eating.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've, I've just started running though recently to sort of work all that off um, now that summer's coming, so I'm trying to get um trying to get rid of them off my belly <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that provides the perfect segue into uh finding out how a guy who kind of used to live in Brisbane who's now living in France can you give us a bit of a background on your your property developing story, and I guess it's weaved in with a bit of your personal story
0: yeah, yeah how far do I go back um i uh i left my job in 2007 so before that i was a a theater technician um a lighting technician in theater so i did that for 15 years got jack of it um became a postie for a couple of years and that was kind of like my transition job where i was just learning how to be a an investor um i was very green back then so uh the postie thing you know cut my wage in half but doubled the amount of headspace that i had available so um during that time i did a couple of renos and uh and then I uh, got into subdivision, and that's when I left um, the posty job for good and uh, From there, just kept on um you know growing the business I suppose it wasn't even a business back then; it was just sort of fumbling my way through it and um, flipping flipping property and trying to um get into bigger deals and learn how to um, how to f- creatively fund the deals as as the money sort of ran out and you hit glass ceilings and that sort of thing obviously with a posty wage i wasn't the, the banks didn't, didn't really look at me. Um, and then from there, um, yeah, we, we just kept going. Things got, got better. I, I learned how to joint venture. That's when things really sort of changed for me where I, where I understood the power of joint venturing and being able to do more deals at once. Uh, and then from there, my wife and I made a conscious decision just to step back from things, I suppose. I was getting too caught up in property and it was becoming more like a job. And then that's the reason why I left my job is to sort of create that that um, financial independence and sort of choice of, of when I worked um, and and as you, you probably know the, the deals start rolling and it's exciting and you, you start getting caught up in it, which was great things were successful but um, when you had to sort of take stock again and, and look at why we we're doing this and um, watching the kids grow up is probably the the, um, the best way of halting you in your tracks and and questioning what you're doing with your life so that's when we made the decision decision to go to to France and do something different and learn another language get the kids involved in it and see it through their eyes so um yeah we're we're still here probably be here for another nine or 12 months I suppose and once I come back we'll continue what we were doing um but learning to, to do it from here from another country has changed my my whole um, approach to, to business and, and what we were doing before. So hopefully I can continue and um, what I'm doing now in Australia. It's, uh, but I think it's got a lot to do with the time zones where, you know, you look at your calendar and there's nothing in it because everyone's asleep in Australia. So it does help with um, focusing on, um, you know, just thinking about your business, you know, thinking about how you can, create other streams of income rather than working on it and getting caught up with the day-to-day sort of life. So I think that's taught me to really manage my time better, um, delegate more, whereas before I was very sort of controlling, I suppose, a bit of a perfectionist sometimes. And since I've been here, I've really had to learn how to outsource that and, and bring in a good team to help me. So that's been a real positive thing from the business side of stuff. Um, but also, yeah, just, just living in this other culture has been um it's been a lot of fun, not without its challenges, that's for sure, with two young kids, but um, worth worth every moment we've been here.
1: Okay, well, there's quite a few things that you've thrown up there that I'd like to flesh out with you. Um, yeah. The first thing, let's go back. What kind of deals were you immersed in or what sort of projects was it that you were getting involved in? involved with that sort of became a bit overwhelming? What were those deals, what were those projects that you were looking at and being involved in?
0: Yeah, well, I started off in, in Renault, so it was just flipping, flipping deals and then I got into um, small lot subdivision and that, I found that became my niche, I suppose, something that I, I enjoyed, um, just one into two, one into three sort of sites. Um, I had a, a, a business partner who was a family member at the time um, and together you know, she was the, um, you know, the one we were borrowing money through. She had a good government job um, and I, I didn't have a wage at all Especially once I left the posting job, so um, so I was providing the time and the skill and finding the deals and, and doing the deals and managing them, whereas she would provide the, the finance side sort of things. So in effect, we were joint venturing in those early days, even though I didn't really know it. It was just sort of trying to make those deals work. Um, and I kept doing those and just repeating the process and not really holding anything. And that's something that we we reassess later on. Okay, we need to start. Um, looking further down the track of the wealth creation plan but before it was really just about surviving you know just selling the stock getting to the next deal you know just building that that capital base um, from there once um, once my cousin and I um, went separate ways um, I had to find a new way of bringing in money you know I still really couldn't leverage off um, the money we were creating with the property business um, just it was just harder to get finances so I'd I, met a lot of colleagues along the way I run a property networking group in Brisbane still do that's been going for about 10 years so everyone everyone I've ever used in my deals has come from those meetings just through attendees that have come along or sponsors that have um, helped me fund the event um, so they become close friends and colleagues and a lot of them are more were more advanced or still are more advanced than me as a as an investor and developer so I've um, tapped into them really and where i either bring investors in for them or maybe I might find the deal or provide cash or servicing for a project um, which has been great because it's meant I've been able to leverage into larger projects that normally I wouldn't be able to uh, do and I definitely wouldn't be able to be here in France with, with the, the sort of things that are going on now um, but it allows me to sort of just be a part of it and um, and, and continue to, to grow as an investor and you know, obviously build that wealth creation plan um, down the track.
1: And what kind of projects are those, those bigger projects that you wouldn't have been able to get involved with?
0: There's kind of medium, I guess, medium to large developments, Um, you know, sort of inner city boutique um, sites, six, eight townhouses. Um, Some have some commercial underneath with with resi on top. Um, There's some bigger deals coming through now that are sort of 30, 35 units, um, still sort of close within that sort of three to five k radius of brisbane um so it varies it's um just depends on the deal and um what's required um what cash is available you know we kind of there's probably a few of us that are fairly close now and we just kind of help each other out as far as what resources are required per, per deal um but those guys have grown as time's gone on and and um, brought in bigger funders, um, and and hence gone on to bigger deals. So it's nice to be still involved with them as they grow, and, and I get to see it happen um, while it happens.
1: So is that yeah. people that were part of your property network group?
0: Yeah, actually, um, the two guys I work with mostly were were one of the first sort of members when we had the meetings in you know someone's lounge room. It used to be just a bit of a social event, you know, pizza and beers, and everyone would sit around talking about property. Um, and then once it grew and we get 30, 40, 50 people. We had to, I had to sort of structure it better so there was a bit of an agenda. Otherwise, it was just turning into a, a Friday night um, drink session. Um, but then I, I brought in some speakers and then we got a hall and I had to bring in sponsors to help fund the event. And, and now we, we generally get about 120 people come along each month and there's a few thousand in the group now that are part of it. Um, so that's that's thriving, which is great. And those guys were there in, in the first few days, just there, um, sitting on the couch, talking about properties, sharing referrals, um, running running numbers and that sort of thing. Um, so we stayed in touch and become good friends and um, we've all got families now and we, we, we have social engagements too. So it's nice to be around people that you really trust um, that are doing these great things and being a part of what they're doing and, and I give back in my own way as well and they're still part of the group now um, and they, they benefit from being a part of that group as well. So it's, it's very much a, a win-win um, scenario.
1: Yeah, I guess you're one of the few people, or one of the few developers I know, that's actually created a property network. Was that a bit of a chicken or an egg situation for you? Did you create the network so that you could file, become a developer or yeah. were you just interested in property and you evolved into doing development?
0: Yeah, it was... Um it was a bit of a love gig in the in the beginning. I did a mentorship that was based in Melbourne at the time um, with, with Steve McNight. That was the first sort of education at all that that I had in property, and uh, and I was based in Brisbane at the time. So I, I kind of tried to grab the Brisbane contingency of that that um, that mentorship, and just said, "Hey guys, you know, let's just go out to dinner and um, and help each other," you know, because and, and that was, I guess, that was. Uh, a selfish thing for me I was very much wanted to be around people to that could help me you know and, and hopefully I could help them but I didn't know anything then you know it was just about getting a room with others that were doing what I wanted to do and they were all pretty green too but, um so it kind of grew from there and uh we just tried to hold them regularly and and word got out people started coming along and um the benefit I got from running those meetings was just um the accountability I suppose in turning up every month um, meeting people that were doing a myriad of different things in property um, and just being around that. You know, every every month we'd run it, um, whether I wanted to be there or not, I always walked away with something new or I'd meet someone new or hear a new strategy or just something that I, that I hadn't learned before and I still get that to this day. That's still why we continue to run them. Um, we had to turn it into more of a, a business um, a few years in because it just got so big that it was taking a lot of my time. So. Um, I almost dropped the whole thing, uh, especially when we moved to the Sunshine Coast. It was just getting too much, and I, I decided to um, bring in some sponsors, bring in some helpers, stop doing the whole thing myself. And uh, and then from there, it just kind of grew, and it, it just took on a life of its own. Um, and it's it's still happening today. You know, we still get sort of 30, 40 new people come along every month, and the, the, the feedback is the same every time. You know, why didn't I know about this five years ago, you know, or that – they're often surprised by the amount of integrity that's there or the openness and people to share. We just seem to attract just quality people, you know, that are really there to to help and and be open Um, and all different skill levels. You know, there's a lot of just first-timers that might have just picked up a book and decided they might want to do property. There's other mum and dad investors that are doing, um, you know, small developments and and subdivisions and then there's um, the professional guys that are there doing commercial stuff and a whole, whole range of things. So, it's nice to be in a room with a whole heap of different skill level where we can rub shoulders together and and uh, and give back and, and help each other out. Um, the sponsors get benefit um, because they they get access to a whole heap of potential clients, um, and then they 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 pay me a fee to do that. Um, but they're all the sponsors are all handpicked people that are colleagues of mine that I've worked with personally, so I'm more than happy to promote them. And it's not a cell fest, you know. It's it's purely a content networking night. So they the sponsors that speak there, they have to provide good, valuable information, um, and and just kind of give back. And from there, you know, if people like them, if they resonate with them, then they'll use use them. If it's a mortgage broker or a town planner or a, or an accountant or whatever, um, it's not about sort of doing any sort of hard push on the night. It's just giving good good content and providing a, a comfortable environment where people feel good about networking with each other um, and then we have the members of the group actually get up and present their own deals which is a lot of fun too they they get up and show the numbers and the photos and where they went wrong where they went right and that's really inspiring for the audience to see that and see that it's possible um see that there are, there is risk people make mistakes they get it wrong um, but they keep going so yeah it's it's a great it's a great um it's a great night that, that we run and very proud of what it's become and and we still get benefit you know, just from the people that I meet from those those groups um, that, that lead to, they might become joint venture partners down the track or they might know of a deal that I can flick onto someone else or, or whatever, whatever it is. Um, it's just uh, highly beneficial.
1: Yeah, I've got a small group of colleagues like that as well that we all did a developing course together and we've stayed in touch yep. and, yeah, it's invaluable being able to bounce around ideas and talk to them and find yep. out what's worked for them, What mistakes they've made, those kind of things, because it can be a bit of a lonely game, particularly with property developing. Mm -hmm. There's not that many people who know exactly what you're doing and some of the issues and challenges that you're facing along the way.
0: Yeah, it's 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 critical to have that accountability because yeah, some days are not so great, and you haven't got a boss there to kick up the bum, and or you know you got to be motivated to to move forward. And sometimes it's just it's it's no fun, you know, (laughs) to have other people to. To bounce off, like you say, is is invaluable. Someone called our meeting the other day that um, the AA for property investors, because it was very much just like a, a support group that people would come on come along and you know, if they weren't getting support from their spouse or their family at home, you know, you could come to this group and just be around other like-minded people that were happy to give back. So yeah, it's it's very important.
1: Know, have you got a secret handshake or some sort of special sign? <laughs>
0: No, actually, but I have to think about that. We have because there's definitely a core group there that we could sort of work something out with. Um, but yeah, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, so when you bump
1: into someone at the pub and you scratch your right hand side of your nose. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, some of the people, it's hard to even remember names now. You know, it used to be very intimate, and now it's just I can't keep up. I, I try to touch base as much as I can. Particularly now in France, I still watch the videos. I, I call people up. I offer them time to chat with me. Um, just to, to remain part of that, that special group and, and give back where I can. Um, and I think that sort of continue, that keeps the integrity of the group.
1: Yeah, so you've talked about coming up with alternative revenue streams and I presume this is one of
0: them. Yes, uh, the property meeting, yeah. Yeah. I, I've written a number of my own products as well. So um, I've got sort of an online membership site that, that was um, formed from the, the property group meeting so... When they first started, people were kind of saying, "Oh, you're recording tonight? I can't make it. My babysitter can't, won't turn up." So, and I, and I wasn't at the time. I thought, "Oh, that's a good idea. I'll start recording them." So yeah, we've been recording with them for about five years now, um, and created a membership site where pe- people can buy an annual membership, and if they come along, you know, they they get access to the recordings as well as as well as uh, this, this myriad of, of resources on there now. Um, and so I I wrote some. Um, some publications just on my own experience called DIY kits. One for Renault, one for subdivision, one for development, one for joint venturing. Um, so I sell those online, which is which is provides a, a little income stream, which is nice. Um, and since I've been in France here, yeah, I've just been focusing on that that membership side and creating good content and working on my blog and just getting immersed in that whole um, that whole online world sort of thing. Um, managed to bump into some some great colleagues. That have helped me take it to the next level. So, yeah, that's something that I've been able to work on since I've been here because I can't sort of go to construction sites or or really be actively out there doing deals. So this is something that um, that uh, allows me to be creative with, and I like writing. Uh, I like writing blogs and um, just anything really. So it's something I've put my mind to since I've been here, just to stay active and not, not eat too many um, croissants. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a good point because I've often wondered about how you can create those alternative income streams and there's, there's lots of things that you can do, but I'm always mm. conscious about trying to be focused on being the best developer that I can be mm. and I'm happy to go off and do things providing that they kind of feed in to that. Um, yeah. So how do you find that in terms of, do you see it diffusing your focus or is it really helping the long game?
0: No, it's definitely, they dovetail really well together, yeah. And if they didn't, I probably wouldn't be doing it. Um, but like yourself with, with your podcasting, it's it just keeps you sharp, I think. Um, people are always wanting to ask you questions and you're doing interviews and things and it, I, I like it, you know, I love property. Um, I love being around it, love doing it. Um, so this is kind of another outlet that's allowed me to, to tap into um, and create some income with it not as much as i would in in property obviously um but i do think it's important to have that that extra um, income stream there or a number of income streams just to take the pressure off um your 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 development side of things um obviously that's your that's your core income but as you know it can take two years or longer to get paid with with a development unless you've got them going um regularly um so you kind of need something to to keep you rolling, to to pay the rent, to just allow you to to stop if you want to. Um, But it's just a personal thing. I think everyone needs to just find that balance along the way. And for me, I I definitely found like I was getting too caught up in being on site and, um, yeah, just pushing too hard. And and that's when, you know, we we change things a bit. So when I go back, I'd like to have that balance where we we continue to run the networking groups. I make some income from that. But still get into those deals along the way and create some, some passive income um, from, the, from the projects as well as having something active um, that satisfies my, my creative juices as well.
1: So, can you share a little bit more about why you would, what were all the things that you were doing? Like, why were you so busy?
0: Um, why was I busy? Good question. Um, probably wasn't that I was busy. I just wanted more time with my family. You know, I was—I wasn't doing any more than forty hours a week, really. I was, and they were all from home. Um, I was travelling a lot to Brisbane because all our projects had been in Brisbane, and we moved to Sunshine Coast in two thousand and nine for lifestyle reasons. So, um, I was driving down to Brisbane a lot. So, it probably wasn't the, the projects that were making me busy. It was just the, the travel and just—I just—I just. I just, I just got more focused on, on family. I just thought, well oh, this, is, this, is, this is the time that I, I want to be with them and, um, and that's just the most important thing to me. So I just got really clear on what was important. And so when I say I was, I was too busy, I probably wasn't that busy. <laughs> I, was, I was busy enough. probably could have fit a lot more in but that would have meant taking away from, from um, what, what I really wanted which was time with family. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Well, because I find with developing it really does ebb and flow in terms of mm-hmm. demands on your time. Like, there'll be yep. periods where it's just crazy. There's you've got phone mm. calls to make and emails to respond to, things to mm. solve, and then that period will pass, and then mm. you're kind of almost at a loose end where you've got a lot more capacity.
0: Yeah, I, I guess that's what keeps us um, moving forward because you know that lull's coming, and uh, unless you've got them racked up, it's uh, yeah there's no income in that time frame or there's there's nothing happening you're just doing it in a waiting phase which is which can be frustrating so yeah you're always looking for that that next project so you know you're going to be um, fulfilled along that way um, so yeah it's it, it does have and flow and, and that's probably the beauty of, of property development you know you can take time off um, when things are rolling you're, you're in a phase where you're not required um, or you're just playing that waiting game with with council or or whatever it is, um, it just allows you to step back and um, and do things, but sometimes you can't plan for that those moments so for me, it was just about having a bit of normality and um, you know if we want to go on a, a holiday for a few months then we can you know it's um, it's just a, per- a personal thing you know everyone's got to find their balance and what's important to them and um, and and there's no judgment around that you know if someone wants to make a million bucks to buy a couple of Ferraris and Go for it. You know, that's awesome. Um, mine was just about stepping back and getting more time. And, and, and property was doing that for me. I just wanted a little bit more time. <laughs> so I just stepped back a bit further because yeah, I know it'll always be there. I can go back and keep doing it. Um, but I won't get this time back with my, with my kids.
1: Yeah, or well, a couple of Panel chocolades, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, I've got so many questions I want to ask you on so many different fronts. So I'm going to have to try and be focused. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the property developing products that you came up. Can the sorry? Let's talk about the property developing products that you came up with. So one was the DIY property development kit, something like that. And yep. then you mentioned the joint venture kit. So can you just tell mm-hmm. us about how you? went about creating those and why you did
0: them yeah um i did them i I like i like writing so that was something that i I enjoyed doing and i I knew there was a a niche in the market for it Um, i knew that i could um like i I would go to my list of a couple of thousand in, in my networking groups and go what do you want you know i've done a renovation kit i've done a subdivision kit would you prefer this would you prefer this and um development was kind of the logical next step and then joint venturing was something that I got asked a lot about. You know, people asking for a joint venture template, or what are the risks, or what should I pay my partner, or how do I find them? There was so many questions out there. So that was that was always going to be the next one. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I just got a lot of satisfaction out of creating um, a resource that was um, that anyone could use. You know, it was you could pick it up, go from start to finish. It wasn't a mentorship, you know, I didn't sort of get into mentoring because I knew that's very time intensive and I, I wouldn't do that unless I could commit to it properly so that the students would get real results and I just felt like I, I wouldn't be able to do that properly. So this was something that I could, that I could give back, um, create an income from myself as well um, and I just felt like I was good at it, you know, that I could package it up nicely so that people could um, if they hadn't done any developing before, they could literally pick it up, read it and understand it and go and implement it um, without too much um, resistance and without too much cost. You know, There's only about 500 bucks to buy the, buy the whole resource, um, which isn't a lot of money in the grand scheme of things when you could be paying 5 10 20 grand for a mentorship, not that it's as, as uh, hands-on or as, as, as good as a mentorship if that's what you're after, but it's something that if you've got a bit of knowledge already and you just want to sort of get some background information or get a process or build some structure from it, then it's a great way to, to get into it. So, um, yeah, that, that, that was... That, sorry?
1: And do people actually use it to do projects? Because my general feeling is that through developing, people do need their handheld for the first time because there's so many questions yeah. that come up along the way. It'd be really great yeah. to have a sort of process map, which is kind of what it sounds like um yep. but then you really need someone well one to keep you accountable and two to answer those <laughs> hundreds and hundreds yeah. of questions along the way
0: yeah absolutely i agree and it's 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 more something that because um, i don't think you should get into development or, or anything really without educating yourself about it first you can't sort of abdicate that you can't sort of well you can you can pay someone to do it but then you, you're just a, a silent partner or a money partner if you, You have to get clear on why you're doing it. Why you're getting into development? Is it something you want to get hands dirty with, or just you just want to create a passive income and throw some money at something? Either way, I think you should have enough smarts to know that at least the the jargon, the terminology, how to work the numbers, how to how to know what a good deal is, what it looks like, market research, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's a good. the, The development kit is for beginners i suppose so it's only up to three dwellings to keep it fairly simple otherwise it would have been an epic resource that would have taken too long to (laughs) ride because as you know there's just a million things that can go wrong that you've got to manage so i I did keep it fairly simplified Um, i I might do a version two down the track if i if i think there's a need but i did keep it sort of fairly simple so that people could get in um have have a starting point have enough information to actually get out there and do it and I'm still there as well. Like, I don't kind of go, here's your kit, thanks for your money, see you later. It's, um, I still provide email access, um, some phone calls if you want it. And, and when people reach out to me, I'm always um, happy to, to give back um, because I just, if they've invested in something that I've created, I'm, I want to see them succeed. You know, I'd love to see them create whatever they're trying to create, which doesn't mean creating. A, a, a ten townhouses. It means creating the loft that they want, and, and the development should get them there to do that. So, if I can play a part in that, then that's my privilege. That's something that I get a kick out of. So, um, unfortunately, I'm sure there's a lot of people that that buy it and don't use it, um, where they're, they're looking kind of for a magic pill, and here's one for 500 bucks. So I'll buy that and then not really do anything with it, and that's that's a shame. Um, and I, I I do try and follow people up and go where are you. And bring them into the community so we have a a forum a facebook group um i'd write a lot of blogs now so i try to keep people engaged and even if they're not ready now maybe they made a a rash decision at the time and they were all gung-ho and thought yep this is what i'm going to do which is how i was in the beginning um and then it kind of life got in the way and family came along or other commitments and then it just sort of stopped for a couple of years Well, try and keep them there when they're ready to come back in, back in, at least they've got something to, to start from, and maybe the next thing they need now is some mentoring because they can't do it alone, or they need that accountability or that that person to hold their hand. And in those scenarios, I'll just refer them. You know, I'll say, "Well, this guy's doing some good deals and he needs money partners," or this person over here I know is reputable, and you might be able to get in with him to learn with him or her. Or um, well, this guy does mentoring. You know, I've been mentored by him. I can honestly. Give them a good referral that I know that they'll be looked after. So it's, and that's come a lot from the networking group as well. It's nice to be able to just help people get in, you know, and get just point them in the right direction or introduce them just to one person maybe that'll allow them to to kick things off for themselves. Um, and it's it's nice to be able to have that community around me that I can do that, you know, and, and, and sort of if I can't give them the answers, I, I I can guarantee you I know someone that does, you know, and I can just put them in touch with them.
1: So you're a kind of property linchpin
0: yeah i have been i tried to define what i did a few years ago and uh and you imagine trying to explain it in french to people that ask it's difficult difficult enough in in english just and it is a bit of a conduit i've become where i've just got a a large a broad network that that is becoming more national as i go along and and just meet a lot of people you know talk to a lot of people and, and see what they're doing and and i often find i'm just connecting them you know and uh and it's nice to be able to do that, you know, just sort of know that they're going to look, be looked after um, because there's a lot of, as you know, there's a lot of sharks out there, um, people that aren't doing the, wrong, the right thing and that's not just in property, there's, they're everywhere and so it's just about finding people that have integrity and and, uh, and sharing them around, you know, with, in, in the right way.
1: That was going to be my next question to ask you to explain how you define yourself or when you talk <laughs> to people, what do you tell them that you do?
0: Yeah, I guess I kind of call it like a property entrepreneur now. Uh, I used to be a property investor, um, so it, it varies, you know, um, with, with what I'm doing. But I, I enjoy um, the business side of things now. I like seeing other businesses how they function, um, how to make them better. You know, that's something that's interesting me now. Interesting me now that I can maybe tap into later. Just how how it works because property was you know I didn't have any tertiary training about business or anything you know I just finished school and and got into um the theater which which I loved you know it was really creative um area to be in but once I got into property I had to I had to learn how to run a business and and that was a lot of a lot of mistakes you know and it was just sort of trial and error and it's still trial and error you know these days I'll still sort of um, a friend of mine just calls it failing fast. You, know, you just get in, have a crack, stuff it up, move on, you know. And and uh, and I just do a lot of that now. I'm happy to make those mistakes whereas before it was very much about getting all your ducks lined up in a row and finding the perfect deal and, you know, making everything um, spot on. But now I've, I've, through a lot of different personal development, I've, I've you know, retrained my, myself to to not be so focused on that it's more about just getting something out there you know getting it done getting it finished to be assessed you know and and then uh, and it's not always going to be right but at least you are moving forward you're not sort of procrastinating because something's too big um, i just wrote a blog post last night that was massive it was an epic post like 5000 words lots of images video and i knew i had to do it i committed to it and i was i started to procrastinate a little bit and um and i'm i get very um I'm very aware of it when that happens now. So I have tools in place to sort of make sure that doesn't happen because I don't like wasting time. So it was, it was just last night that I finished it. And um, so I'm, I'm just wary of my personality type and how to work with the, the positives and the negatives to make sure I'm getting the most out of everything I do. Um, just, to, so I guess, just how I am. You only get 4,000 weeks on this earth, so I'm told, if, you, if you're lucky. <laughs> so try to make the most of them. And I'm past halfway, so I need to keep, keep cracking. <laughs>
1: So, that's an interesting point. So, a lot of the listeners that I speak to who listen to this show, a lot of them, um, I guess they would describe themselves as part-time developers in that they've got a full-time job and they're doing projects on the side with a view to try and do more so that they can become full-time developers. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What kind of advice can you provide to them around putting those structures in place or the systems in place Mm -hmm. so that they can create a solid business like what are the things they need to focus on or what are the things that you've learned that you would then pass on
0: yeah really good question and there's probably a number of facets in that in the answer first thing is um consistency so being consistent in everything you do so that means being realistic about how much time you have to commit to being a property developer and and sticking to it so if that's If that's, um, you know, an hour a day, then do it an hour a day. You know, don't need five hours on the weekend and and nothing. Uh, Do something every day that's going to take you closer to who and what you want to be. If if that's a property developer, then doing those those things to get you there. Um, One of my mentors said part-time effort, part-time result. So um, if it's a hobby, if it's part-time, that's the results you're going to get if you you have to do a full-time job as well and and that's the case for a lot of people. Uh, nothing wrong with that. You've got to transition in some way, but just be wary that uh, that the amount of time you put in is, is the result you're going to get out of it. Um, so if you can put in more time, then great, but you might need to make some sacrifices to do that. But just be realistic. You know, If you've got family commitments or social commitments that, that you need to attend to, then then that's fine, but look for the areas that you can Maximize your time might mean you don't watch telly anymore. You know, um, who, who was it? Martin nails said he calls it the time vanishing machine, the TV. So he packed it up in his shed, put the couch on top of it, so he couldn't pull it out. And uh, the amount of time that you have left is is phenomenal. You know, so making those sacrifices in whatever way you can to to really um, commit, and then if you can do that that consistently over, say, six months or a year, it's just phenomenal how much you can achieve. Um, we just we underestimate how much we can achieve because we get so caught up in, in life and social media and things that your emails, you know, you've got to respond to. But getting um, focused, the four-hour work week, great book to read. You know, it just gets you really clear on um, how much time you have, how much time you need to be spending on things, um, what, you, what your goals are, what, what you're aiming for, and just sort of focusing on that. Um to, to go back to the question, I think it's uh, if you can find a way to create income um, in addition to the job or in another way. So that what I'm trying to say here. So if you're in a full-time job and you want to become a full-time property developer, there's got to be a transition process. So for me, I just quit my job, which was ridiculous at the time i was just too gung-ho i just i just knew i wanted to do this and i was so into it that i just left my job over 15 years and just went bang okay and pulled the the security blanket out um don't recommend anyone does that and it was a a silly decision at the time but it 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 forced me to to move forward and and i had to retract a bit and go go to the posty work and create some sort of income so i could eat um but it's about finding ways that um, can allow you to transition. So for me, it was the postal work. It was just a simple job that I didn't have to think too hard. Um, the hours weren't great. That weren't, weren't um, too much. The, the the money wasn't great, but it just it was a great transition job. So for someone else, it might be long service leave, or maybe you can do some of your work at home. A lot of people seem to be able to do that now, whether the, the employee, employee allows them to do some time at home, so that can free up time because you're not driving to work every day um maybe it's taking a year off you know if you've got a buffer there that you can work with um or maybe your your partner can provide an income instead of you it's all going to depend on your circumstance you've got might have kids you've got a family to support whatever it is but it's just about what what is it in your life you can change to make um to make it more um focused on what you want to do you know better better use of your time and it's not going to be easy. You know? I'm, not, I'm not really giving anyone – I'm not giving you the direct answer here. It's just about looking at your own life and seeing how you can change it. And just by asking yourself the question in the first place will bring up ideas. Maybe an online business. I've seen some people do that where you're selling stuff on eBay or you create some digital resource like, like I've been doing um, it's not as simple as that. You can't just write something and put it out there and make money. It's, it takes time. You have got to learn that as well. So that might be a might be a detriment, you know, because then you have got to focus on that and it just becomes another distraction. So you have got to be clear on where you're going. That's probably the third point, really, with with your question is just is, is being laser focused on on what you're doing, you know, why you're doing it, um, and, and having that that real deep emotional motivation to get there. Um, because I think if you don't have that. It just doesn't happen. It's not. It's not real enough. It's not. It's not important enough, uh, because there's there's so many things that can get in the way. Um, it's just so easy. You just got to turn your computer on and bingo, you can lose four hours just looking at Facebook or surfing the net or whatever you want to do. So before you turn it on, before you even interact with anyone, you know, I make sure I take time for myself and focus on what I want to achieve today. And if you can do that consistently every day. You don't waste time and, and the, only, the only way to get there is to, um, to have that focus, is to have that reason behind you. You, know, you wake up every morning, what's your reason? Why are you doing this? If it's just to make money and build pretty houses, then it's not, it's not really going to sustain you. It might for a little while while you've got that passion but it doesn't, it doesn't last and so you just kind of need something else that that's, you can connect with emotionally to get you there.
1: Yeah, Henry Ford said if you've just got a business that's making money, it's not a very good business.
0: <laughs> it's got to be something more than that that's right yeah for us we raise we raise a lot of money now for a charity that we're we're close to and that's becoming like a bigger picture for me where you know that inspires me more you know we've probably lost all that we wanted we're, we're still doing property but what else can we do you know and that's that's something else that that drives me now so um my mum was diagnosed with cancer so we we we're setting up a foundation that we can assist with, with that. Um, and and that's really inspiring for me. That's something that gets me up every morning, like, okay, what are we going to achieve today? So if you can have something like that, um, and it, it doesn't have to be a, a cure for cancer, it doesn't have to be um, to spend more time with your family. It can be something really, um, you know, uh, materialistic if that's what floats your boat, not, not judging anyone there. It's just you just got to be really connected to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, might take a bit of time to find that. You know, I, I encourage people to sit down and just get clear on what that is and ask yourself the question, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Just keep asking yourself for months if you need to to come up with the answer. Because that's what'll sustain you over, you know, decades, I, I think if you're really clear on that those reasons.
1: Yeah, I think I think some people call it purpose. you can define mm-hmm. your life's purpose or mission, then yes, then you can keep tapping into that well of inspiration to keep you going.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it changes too, you know, your, your reasoning changes along the way so it's constantly assessing that um, and doing, doing the personal growth that goes along with it um, is, is something that, I, that I, it took me a while to learn, you know, it took me a few years to actually wake up and go, um, oh, it's me that's holding me back, right, okay. So um, there was a point in, in, in time for me in property where I couldn't actually make any more money than I was making in my job um, because I had this mindset that that 's how much I was worth, and so no matter what I did, no matter what strategy i did i couldn 't earn more than that that wage and um, which sounds ridiculous when I look back on it, but it was it was a sabotage thing that I had there, and I just had to do the personal development to get to get through that and um, and it wasn 't anything crazy you know i wasn 't abused as a child or you know, anything ridiculous it was just well, not ridiculous, but it wasn 't anything that I couldn't work through, you know, and, and resolve. And so once I did that, it, it opened things up substantially and, and it's still there now. You know, it's, it used to be something I thought you could just tick a box and great, done my personal development course. I'm off now, I'm, I'm, but it's not at all. It's, it's, it's an ongoing thing. It's, a, it's something that I embrace now. It's not something I run away from. It's like, okay, great, this is a bit scary. Excellent. <laughs> I yeah. to the, it means there's some really good rewards on the other side, so it's exciting.
1: Yeah, one of my past guests, John Marquez, used to talk about, or he did talk about that little voice in the back of your head telling you all these reasons why you couldn't do things and how you just had to try and shut it off and push forward. Yeah,
0: Yeah, we've all got it. I don't don't care who you are. There's always going to be something that scares you or something that's going to hold you back. And I actually think 70% of um, what we do is is all in your mind and just having that... um, just having the tools to work through it so when you do get that 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 scumbag voice as i'm told it is um you're able to counteract it and uh just and sometimes you're gonna have down days where you you can't and you just want to wallow but wallow for 24 hours and then that's it move on you know get get clear on who's in charge and then um keep moving forward because it can really it can stunt you for a long time and um you know i think that's a big part of the success of anyone now, you know, whether it be property development business, stock market, anything, whatever you're doing to try and create wealth with, it's you've got to have that right mindset.
1: Yeah, it's true. And I believe you can trick the brain as well. It's it's a yeah. it's a clever system, but it can also be tricked.
0: Yeah, fake it till you make it yeah. sort of scenario where yeah. You, yeah. Just having a go. Like I mean I'm not saying there's there's there isn't risk. There's a lot of risk in property development. And uh, thousands of things can go wrong one thing can go right and that's you you make money at the end of it and it's all about mitigating those risks but um you've still got to have at some point you've got to pull the trigger you know and have a crack and or, or take yourself to the next level if you've been doing it for a while and you want to you want to move up the up the ladder for whatever reason um yeah it's, it's going to be scary you just take that next step and that's what life's about just just keep improving.
1: So speaking of keeping sharp, you obviously were assessing lots of deals at one point. What were the kind of things that you were looking out for um, and what were the measures that you were putting in to mitigate any of those risks that you identified?
0: Um, yeah, very project-specific sort of question. That every deal is just so different. Um, and there's always a surprise. Uh, that's the one consistency. There's, there's, there's always something there that, that trips you up, or you're um, you just didn't think about, or, or whatever. The market changes. You know, there's always going to be an unknown, which is kind of the exciting part of it. So it's always for me, what's the worst case scenario? Which is, uh, I'm not a negative sort of person, but I, it's something that I've learned to do. What is the worst thing that can go wrong, or what's my f- absolute worst fallback position here with this deal, and can I live with that? And, and that's that kind of end up being the, the one question. Um, uh, apart from you know all the feasibilities that you do the the number crunching the the market research whatever it is there's a lot of fac- facets to it uh, but what, what's the worst case scenario here and there's, there's probably a few of them it's just about um, being upfront about them and being clear on what they are and then having a, you know, a written strategy on how you'll deal with it uh, when or if it happens um, because no matter how much planning you do no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow you know, we could have another in Brisbane, we had that big flood that, that changed things. That could happen again. Um, GFC could come back. Uh, someone told me the other day that Australia just had their first negative um, inflation for the quarter or something. I didn't even know that. So I um, might be a little bit out of touch there. So things could be changing. Who, who knows? But it's just being um, ready for that and, and uh, accepting that anything could happen and just um, be prepared to, to go with it and, and have that backup plan. Um, But yeah, for specifics of the deals, um, yeah, I I guess you focus on a 20% profit on costs, um, cash on cash return, risk scenarios, um, all that sort of stuff. But in the end, it just comes down to what's the worst thing that can go wrong and can I deal with that? Can I live with that?
1: So Matt, can you give us an example of what one of those worst case scenarios might look like in actuality or on paper?
0: Yeah, yeah. let me think of an example.
1: Um, I'm thinking you have to sell at a loss or you just have to hold the site until the market improves or
0: what's Oh, the... okay, as far as what, what happens after that. Yeah, okay. Well, when, um, you, when you're looking at a
1: deal case. and you're thinking what's a worst-case scenario, what, what is yep. a worst-case scenario and then what would you do in that instance?
0: Yeah, worst-case scenario is um, that you're, gonna, you're looking at a loss. That, that's that's the worst case scenario. So if it's um, the market's changed trend, or you've created a product that no one wants, or um, whatever, yeah, it's about holding it um, or having the um, ability to sell at a loss to move on. Um, having it to do that, but ca- have you got the backing to do that? You know, what, what would happen if you had to really um, move things at a fire sale price to allow yourself to move on? Um, implementing creative strategies like um, we've done before where a vendor finance scenario um, where we, we had a, a product that was um, it was not selling. It was the wrong product for the market. The market had turned, um, overcapitalised, a number of things went wrong with it, but we ended up vendor financing it. So it came out of a, a potentially a potential loss situation um, and turned it into a positive gearing scenario, which meant our capital was tied up in the project, which wasn't ideal, but it meant we didn't go backwards. So um, that was that was the main thing. So just assessing that and going, okay, how would I deal with that? And that was that was one of the strategies that we, w- we implemented. Um, just looking at a file sale price, really going, okay, w- w- what's going to move this this thing tomorrow? What's going to get me out of this tomorrow? A- and knowing that the numbers still stack up with that. Um, that you can you can get out of it because um, I can't remember who told me um, one in five. You, oh, it was Leon actually. Leon, the Leon Factor, which was one in five deals, you'll you'll make a loss. So you've got to um, factor that into your return on the other four deals, so that you're you're kind of almost expecting something to go wrong, and you've got to you've got to um, account for that along the way. So. Um, not a nice scenario to have to look at thinking okay i'm I'm expecting to make a loss on my fifth deal but it's just a a, a reality thing where you don't have control and you just need to be um preparing you know your your capital base for something that may go wrong and can you know you're going to you're going to be able to handle that or is it going to just wipe you out and then you've got to go back to work and that's probably the thing that scares me the most is oh my god i've got to go back to work you know i'm I'm screwed (laughs) you know that's something that has woken me up a couple of times where it's like, okay, this is getting too close to the bone. I might have to, might have to pull out here. You know, and never had to do that, um, but it's, it's a good little fear thing that, that bubbles behind me every now and then that, that keeps me focused. When you can get complacent when things are going good, um, it's nice to have something that you can go, okay, remember that. Remember you had to do that. That sucked. You know, like <laughs> let's, um, let's not go there again. So it kind of keeps you within, within reality. You know, you don't get too um ego focused about something and just keep keep your keep keep reality in check
1: so does that mean that you now maintain some kind of capital cushion
0: yeah that's um that's something we we set up before we moved to france because i didn 't really know how it would all go um, it, was, it was very different what we were doing we were basically you know packed everything into a shed and, and brought the kids over here and we, I, did, I I kind of wanted to have enough there to to have if if, uh, if I didn't have anything at home you know I didn't have any income, I wanted to have a, a base there that I could live off and we were going to be safe and, and healthy and have a good lifestyle so yeah that that is something that I do work with I just like to have a, a buffer so if we do a project we'll try not to use our own money um, just out of pure leverage, but it's also a good thing to have you uh, know cash in the bank there for if, if something does go wrong, you can go right bang there's there's a hundred grand or whatever you need to, to get you out of it to, because a, a partner pulled out or there was a you know a death or something. Who, who knows? You can just keep moving forward. The worst thing that can happen, as you know, is a, a, pro, a project stops because of a, a, an influence from the outside. You know, that's the worst thing that can happen. So it's all always about having the, the resources to continue going forward no matter what. You know, and, and I think yeah, having a capital base is a good, a good backup. And also multiple streams of income, having um, not just your property development business, you might have cash somewhere or you might have passive income or you might have a, an online business or something else you do. Um, but having those multiple streams, I think, um, just, just gives you peace of mind really.
1: And I think you mentioned earlier that you don't or you haven't held any of the stock of, um, from projects that you've done but you're looking mm-hmm. at to change that in the
0: future. Yeah, we're doing that now. Where we're we're in a better position to to borrow money. So it took a while to get to that that point, um, and now it's more about investing in projects where we don't just get a, a return. Um, it's about holding something in the development. Um, so we're, that's that's our focus more now. So um, because we can, and it's just been something that's been missing in our wealth creation plan. Where. We've been making money and building a capital base but, um, you know, I'd like to have, you know, a decent portfolio that we're down the track that we we live off or we can sell down or, you know, we just have more leverage there. Um, So, yeah, that's something that I guess we missed in the beginning. It was just all about um, survival and, and getting the deal done, getting paid and then going on to the next one and kind of leapfrogging deals which has kind of been slow Um, But now we we can have our fingers in a few different pies. Yeah, it's about building that that portfolio more, um, which is probably something that I I missed, I guess, in the the early days because I was more focused on just, you know, getting it done and surviving.
1: Yeah, now you're more involved in joint ventures. Can you share a little bit about what you're looking for in a deal to make your eyes light up or to get your juices flowing and get you interested? Obviously, um, obviously, there's a return—the yeah. sort of twenty yep. percent return. But what other kind of things yeah. are there?
0: Um, for me, it's because I've got the two or three colleagues that I work with regularly. Um, I'm often guided by them because they're they're better at it than me, <laughs> and the deals they're doing are, are phenomenal deals. Um, as far as you know, buying extremely well and providing really good. Um, products that, that the market are craving you know that they, they, they just do it so well um and so for me it's it's kind of um i look at the deal and i i see the numbers and it's it's for me i get excited about the lifestyle that it's providing you know rather than deal itself i mean i, I love property and i love seeing what's being created and and the leverage and the people involved but in the end it's it's not the deal that that um it's not the end result anymore whereas in the beginning it was about that it was the excitement of doing that and um creating something that wasn't there before and um building homes or you know providing land um, but now it's it's um i love the numbers i mean i love doing the numbers i love seeing the numbers working them out looking at the feasibilities um but the end result is for me it's the joy of, of working with um, friends, you know, and colleagues, and creating something that wasn't there before, and, and bringing others with us, you know. So we might bring in a money partner or two, and this might be their first deal or their second deal, and they get they get a result from it that they deserve, you know. The, like some, some people in my group that I've seen for a while, and they've struggled a bit, or they just haven't been able to commit to it or succeed, and so be able to go, well, hey, have you chuck a few hundred grand to this deal? It's 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 very safe. Um, this is the this is the track record we've got. This is this is what it's going to be, um, and you don't have to really do anything, you know. But you, you'll be a part of it, um, and to see that come to fruition and go, that, that's the end result. And and you've made as much money as you would have made in your job this year, um, is really gratifying, you know. To be able to bring others with it, and like you say, it can be lonely. So it's nice to be able to have to give back and see others be a part of that that win. Um, so yeah, that's that, that really flows my boat, and uh, and yeah, seeing it cr- being created and come to fruition, and um, that's that's exciting as well. Um, but for me, it's more about just working with people that that I love working with, and um, being around the excitement of it, and seeing how problems are handled, and um, and that, that networking sort of feel, and then sharing it with others. You know, we we then sometimes present those deals to the group or show them what, what mistakes you made or, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's good fun.
1: Yeah, it's pretty interesting the environment that you've created because you've surrounded yourselves with all these people who are interested in property and you've probably unexpectedly created, a, I guess, somewhat of a funding funnel with all these people who are interested but can't get in for whatever reason. They don't have the time yep. or it just hasn't worked out. Yeah. Because of the effort that you've put in over time, you've created that network.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely has. In, in some circumstances, we're really careful with who we do bring in, um, and the meetings aren't about finding funding partners. But sometimes it just happens like that. Yeah, sure. Um, and and we've learnt to really focus on the person rather than the resources they can provide, uh, because we've had joint venture partners that haven't been suitable and it's just painful, you know, it's um, for whatever reason. So we, we focus more on the personality now, okay. You, you, if you want to be a part of this deal, you've got to do this personality profile and we need to sit down and talk about, well, as you would, you know, you've got to build trust and rapport and but it's about finding that that click where you can, um, you know, just work with someone that has the same risk profile as you, um, that is at the same sort of um, not the same skill level, but has the same understanding of what's being happen, what is happening. They're not sort of freaking out once the money's on the table. You know, it's not going to hinder anything. Even if they've got no no decision making process within the deal, they can still affect it um, if they're not ready to do it or their their mind hasn't sort of they don't they haven't done a multi million dollar project before, and it's just too much to, to conceptualize conceptualize, and that brings fear, and that affects the deal. And um, so it's for us, it's about getting clear on who we're working with rather than, you know, oh, great, you've got half a million bucks to, to put in. Bingo, sign here. You know, yeah, yeah. it's just I'd rather know who you're working with first and and we've just built up a pool of people now that we, we kind of roll the deals over to and and that's that's a lot easier because you've worked with them before. Yeah, um, Yeah. well,
1: I think Warren Buffett says that life's too short to work with people that you don't like.
0: Exactly, yeah. yeah, You want to have fun along the way. You You want to... Re- I love rewarding people that come in and 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 uh, and are a part of it. It's it's great, you know. Um, in the past, we've had you know, Christmas parties where um, you know all, all kind of the developers have been working together or whoever has been involved. will just have our own Christmas party because no one's going to throw it for us, and so we'll just get <laughs> you together have. and.
1: I was going to say, we should all go along to the council Christmas party, shouldn't we? <laughs> all the <laughs> yeah, money no, that we're
0: pumping into them. Giving them enough money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we actually do it. We do a boat cruise every year. With um, We've got like a, a platinum membership that's part of the networking group and they pay a little bit extra and they get a bit more time to me and with me and and it's just really good bunch of people and we actually hire a boat and there's probably about, I don't know, 60 or 70 of us. and. And it's around Christmas, and it's just a, a nice way to just to celebrate what we've achieved that year and what we've been able to accomplish, and just to be around others that are um, that are doing the same thing. You know, they're all um, having a crack in their own way. They're all different skill levels. They've had their own successes and challenges, and just to be around that, and um, again, just in that supportive environment, but in a fun social environment as well. It's just nice to be able to um, enjoy you know, what we do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what developers do every day? <laughs> Just go on boat cruises and out. have parties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a. We work hard, don't we? I mean, it's it's a lot of work and a lot of time, but it's the difference is it's you do it in, under your own steam or you do it um, the way you want to do it, and that's that's what I, I like about it.
1: Yeah, I was driving home today in the car, and I was thinking about this because um, at the end of the. Project when you will talk to people and they'll just you say oh, I just did a twenty develop twenty townhouse project or whatever it is, and they kind of just you know they're going to go oh yeah that sounds good and oh wow but they have absolutely no clue about how much effort was involved. You know they think yeah. oh yeah you just buy the land you build twenty houses and you sell them. Yeah, like, yeah. Build it uh, now. There is so much more to it than that. The twists and turns along the way—it's just a real, yeah. a real journey. So, yeah, it might sound yeah, easy, but it's—it's it's not.
0: No, it's—it's it's, um, we're, we're problem solvers more than anything. It's yeah. just constantly solving problems, solving problems, and moving the thing forward. Um, you know, a deal never goes perfectly, it's, there's, and that's part of the fun. You know, there's always going to be something that crops up and. Just being able to deal with that, and the more experience you get, the, the better you are at dealing with it. Um, yeah, yeah I, think, just, I think the
1: two key skills for a developer is problem solving, number one, and then being able to work with people. So, yeah, managing your yeah. team and the different personalities that are involved.
0: Yep, spot on. Yeah, it's it's a people business. You're um, you to get things moving forward, you've got to be able to manage people to do that in in a diplomatic way where they want to do it. Um, but in the end, no one cares more about the deal than you. So you've got to be the one driving it and you have to do that. Yeah, you're exactly right. You've got to solve problems and, and communicate well.
1: What's your top tip for developers out there?
0: Top tips? Um, probably don't be too, um, don't be too keen to get a deal on the table is something I've learned, the ability to say no, um, which is uh, it's, which is hard. Sometimes you want to make a deal work and not, not forcing it to work or not trying to fudge it or think you can do more than you can. Um, I think that's something I've really learned is just the ability to say no and be patient and, um, you know, the market's going up great. You know, don't feel like you're going to miss out or anything. It's just um do, stick to stick to the strategy, stick to your plan, do your numbers, and don't be don 't be impatient about uh, i know guys colleagues that have waited years for for deals you know where um yes they 've got other they 're not full time developers but they're they 're doing high end developments and uh they 'll just be they 'll have a criteria and they just won 't deviate from it uh, and and they 've been very successful in the beginning. I thought geez it's taken a while to get something and get something on the line but by being patient they've become very, very successful um, in, in the deals that they do and it's, I think it's about um, making those inroads to those networks to get those deals onto the table and that just takes time with, with building those networks, whether it's with agents, with, with with other developers, builders. Um, it just takes time to get those inroads um, but once they're there, it's just um, it's a massive pipeline and it's being able to then manage that um, that, that influx. So, um, yeah, not being impatient, the ability to say no, um, and, and having a reason—a real reason for, for long-term um, success. I think having a real reason. What are you spending the money on? You know, what? You, what's it for? Um, it's great to have passion and, and do what you do and provide. Homes for people, uh, it's, it's fantastic. Keep, th- keep thinking what's what's after that because uh, I find that you've got to keep aiming higher or you, you get to a goal and you kind of got to have the next goal ready. Otherwise, you, you spend too much time sort of celebrating and then all of a sudden time just goes by and, it, as you know, with development, you've got to have the next thing ready to go. Um, otherwise, you start going backwards. So I think it's just about always assessing what you want to get out of this. Why, why you want to get that out of it and and that'll forge you forge you on to the next thing and, um, and and another stream of income I think depends on where you are in in, in your skill level um, I know your listeners are, are advanced and people may what well be doing multiple deals at once so that is that is the income um, but something I've learned is just just having multiple streams you know if the, if the market goes pear-shaped or something hits us that that we can't control, um, being able to change uh, track to something else. Um, It might not be your your core business or your your, your main focus, but it's just something that um, it just helps take the pressure off, I think, and allows you to make better decisions because, you know, you're not under pressure to get that deal done. I mean, you're always under pressure to get the deal done, but um, if you didn't have that deal, you'll still be able to survive. You know, it's not, it's, it's something we ask our joint ventures all the time is this, is this deal, what happens if you don't make money out of this deal? What's, does it mean you're going to go under? Does it mean you're not going to eat? Or how important is it that this deal succeeds for you? And not that we don't want it to succeed, it's just getting an idea of how desperate they are. If you're desperate, then you make really poor decisions because you're under pressure. Um, so don't ever put yourself in that position. And I think to, to not be in that position, you're just having multiple streams of income, sometimes reduces that that level of stress and it helps you stay focused, allows you to think um, and have good ideas and make informed decisions and um, helps you to, to grow, I think.
1: All right, Matt. Well, I know that you've got croissants that you want to go and eat. So where can people find out more about you if they want to find out more about you?
0: Um, just go to the website, propertyresourceshop.com. Um, that's become a really um, vibrant community there I suppose Um, I'm posting blogs there every week I have been doing so for the last six months now I'm on a roll so it's something that I'm committed to doing and just providing good good content for people Um, if you're in southeast Queensland we run the monthly property networking group meetings I'd encourage you to come along to that the Brisbane one's free for the first time or it's 30 bucks after that so it's not expensive Um, and just some really quality people that attend that so if, if you're there come along to that and uh, drop me a line. The contacts page is, is on there. If, you, if you've got a question for me, I'm always happy to, to give back. I'm in a different time zone so it might take a little longer than normal but um, I'd like to hear people's stories, where they're at and if I can help in some small way, then like I said before, it's a privilege to be able to do that. So I'm happy to connect.
1: Fantastic. Well, Matt Jones, I'm very grateful to you for being on the Property Developer Podcast.
0: My pleasure, mate. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and I hope um, – Listeners get some benefit out of our conversation. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can hook up when I'm back in Australia.
1: Yes, it'd be great. I'd love to uh, catch up.
0: Sounds good. I'll come and visit you down in Melbourne.
1: Yes, that'll be nice. Well, I'll wish you bon voyage. Merci. <laughs> Au revoir.
0: Au revoir. A tout à l'heure. See you, <man. laughs> Thanks, mate. See ya.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with property entrepreneur Matt Jones and that it inspires you to think about getting to the point where you can take yourself off to another country for a few years to immerse yourself in the culture and reflect on your success, or to manage your business from afar. I really like how Matt understands his purpose and uses that to guide his decisions. I'd encourage you to do the same. I took quite a few things out of our discussion, and here are my top three. One, be laser-focused about your purpose. This may sound a bit nebulous, but it all boils down to why are you doing things? Why do you want to be a developer? Why do you want to deliver successful projects? Is it to spend more time with your family? Buy some freedom? Buy a Ferrari? Whatever is most meaningful to you is what will continue to inspire you each day. You need to find out what your purpose is and remind yourself about it each day. Two, be consistent. I like this idea of consistency. Matt talked about consistently using your time. So if you have seven hours a week to do developing, do one hour a day, not all of it on the weekend. If you can allocate time every day to do the things that will help you get to where you want to go, sooner or later, you will get there. As the saying goes, you get out what you put in. Three, don't be too keen to get a deal on the table. I know what it can be like finding a site and really wanting it to work and massaging the numbers to get it across the line. However, you need to develop the ability to say no. Don't force a deal to work. Don't fudge the numbers or think you can do more than you actually can. Stick to your numbers and keep working on the next deal until it clicks and then pull the trigger. Okay, that's all for this show. Thanks again for listening in. Drop by the website to leave a comment or check out my latest project picks. You can find me on Instagram too at Property Developer Podcast. Join the fun as I regularly post pictures of sites and developments I see around the place. And of course, drop by iTunes and leave us a review. I would be grateful if you did. So, until next time, may all your croissants be filled with chocolate. Au revoir.
0: You've been listening to
1: the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas, and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.